Well, this is obviously a special day, a particularly special time in the lives of our graduating seniors. Some of them will go off to jobs or maybe to travel or perhaps to college. Suffice it to say, this is a big day for our graduating seniors and all their families, of course, because today is Baccalaureate Sunday. And so it's been our custom for generations in this church to celebrate the transition of the, young, of the young people in our midst. So today, and I say this to the graduating seniors, just bear with us, all right? We're gonna fuss over you a little bit today. People are going to laugh and cry over you a little bit today, but we also want you to know, and that's why we have a baccalaureate worship service, we want to acknowledge to one another that at the very least, this transition, this graduating from high school, is not just a momentous day, it is also a religious moment as well. And so, we give thanks for each of you. That's important to be said out loud. We give thanks to God for each of you. And we pray for you as you prepare to go forth to, as I said, work or travel or school. Now, I know the last few weeks, the last few months in graduation parties, you're gonna get lots of advice from lots of people. Uncles are gonna say, you know, I want you to think about this. And someone else is gonna say, have you ever thought about doing this? And, and so you know what? It shouldn't be any different this morning either. And so <laughs> I have asked the four parents of the graduating seniors, parents, maybe your own parents or parent, your friend's parents, to offer some tidbits of advice. And this first one is going to be from Julie. And I want you to hear these words with this theme in mind, that faith and Jesus are actually a model for a life of health. So Julie, will you read? When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard because of their many want words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed a lot, sometimes for himself, often for others. But I want you to also know that prayer, from a very practical standpoint, is one of the very healthiest practices you can engage in. Study after study has shown that persons who pray are less anxious, they're more likely to recover from an illness quickly, and this one may be the most significant of all. Persons who pray often are more in tune with other people's needs. I mean, that's really important. Prayer isn't certainly only about oneself, but it is for others, for the world, for a community, for whatever. But people who pray are more in tune with other people's needs, which means you can love your neighbor just as you can love yourself more fully through prayer. And studies have shown that prayer is consistently healthy for praying for other people. There have been studies that have shown that people who are being prayed for when they know they're being prayed for, on average, have a quicker rate of recovery from an illness. They also will say, if I know I'm being prayed for, 
I feel more hopeful. So here's what I want to say to the graduating seniors. Your prayers for yourself, but also for others, matter. And there are few things more powerfully spoken in this life. One said with authenticity, I have you in my prayers. That's a remarkable thing to share with someone. I have you in my prayers. You know, graduating seniors, your parents, this congregation, your parents' friends have you in their prayers. And I hope you hear that all the time in your life. But I also hope you share it with others. I have you in my prayers. And then remember this about prayer. Even if it's fleeting, just for a moment where you say the name of a friend who's struggling, that's all you say. Even if your prayer is as brief as that, prayer is the time that you think about the God who thinks about you all the time. So prayer is very healthy. Now, we have a second piece of advice, and it's from the chap first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And Jim Dickett, you always have good ideas. Would you share your words with our seniors? But Jesus said, we must go on to the other villages around here. I have to preach to them also, because that is why I came. So he traveled, traveled all over Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Thank you. We have to go on to the next village, and it says that Jesus traveled all over Galilee. Well, you know what? That's an example of a healthy lifestyle as well. We hear a lot about the importance of exercise, and they're right. Walking is one of the very best things you can do. And Jesus walked everywhere, all the time. I mean, he never rides horses. It never says in scripture he hopped on a horse. It never says that he sat in the back of a cart pulled by a horse. It does say in one day, we now call it Palm Sunday, he rode a donkey. But other than that, he walked everywhere. But maybe going from point A to point B in such an intentional way is one of the manners in which Jesus truly engaged the world. I mean, he could see individuals' faces. You can't imagine that when Jesus walked from village to village that he walked past people, ignoring them. I mean, it's a model for how to engage the diversity of life. Jesus walked with the, lepers of a, the leaders of a community, and he walked with lepers as well. He walked with the despised tax collectors, and he walked with the esteemed town and village people. So I want you to consider Jesus' model of taking his time and intentionally going from place A to B. And I want you to hold on to that. I want you to consider when you're able. I know it's a busy time of life. It's a busy time of life always. So I want you to think about taking your time, about getting from one village to the next, from one place to another. Because if you take your time, and if you walk sometimes, you'll have a chance to see the faces in the crowd. And you'll see the rich and the poor. You'll see those who are laughter, laughing with joy. And you'll see those who have tears running down their cheeks. But each and every one of them 
is a child of God, an esteemed leader, or a leper. But the only way you'll see their faces is if you give yourself permission to go slowly. So when you are able, remember that Jesus walked everywhere so as to encounter the world. I hope you will find time to do that as well. Carlene, will you um, share a couple of words with our graduating seniors? Jesus saw the crowd and went up a hill. Where he sat down, his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them, happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. Really? I mean, you might be thinking, that's the verse Kirch chose for today? It's from the Beatitudes, which all begin blessed. The modern-day interpretation, they would say, is they probably wouldn't say blessed, but Jesus might even say, as strange as it sounds, how fortunate are. And the one that Carlene just read said, how fortunate are those who mourn. I mean, really? I have to tell you, for, for centuries, that has been one of the most difficult verses in the Bible. I mean, how can anyone who is grieving be blessed. Well, let me remind you of something I said to you for those who were in confirmation class about three years ago. And I told you that, you know, if this church could, or if your parents could have, if they could vaccinate you against sadness or disappointment or give you an inoculation against sorrow, people would do that. But it doesn't exist and it never will. There is no vaccine that can protect you against setbacks or sadness. Jesus knew profound sadness. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible is this. Jesus wept, which means he faced his emotions honestly with vulnerability. And so I want you to know that by acknowledging that you will encounter sadness in life is not meant to be a downer on this celebration day. It's simply to acknowledge that as you enter into life that you're going to, well, encounter life. And there will be days when you will laugh with joy and there will be days that your cheeks are stained with tears. As you enter into deeper into adulthood, that is part and parcel of the journey. Both grief and joy are part of it. And Jesus wept. And the important part of that verse is this, is that the reality is that Jesus' faith in his God the Father did not keep him from knowing sorrow or sadness. But rather, his faith in God, he discovered would sustain him through difficult times. Blessed are those who mourn. The second part of it was, for they shall know God. We can't vaccinate you against disappointment or sorrow, but we can offer you, as a community of faith, the strength to survive those. And I think that strength is found not only in God, but so often remember that God is found in community. Chris, can you read this last tidbit of advice? 
if one of you wants to be great, you must be the servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, you must be the slave of the others. Like the Son of Man, who did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life to redeem many people. Serving others, Jesus said, is what we are called to do. However, it too, studies have shown, is an extremely practical and healthy way to live. Because it is a fact that some of the healthiest people are oftentimes the most other-centered. They think of other people's needs, sometimes before their own. And I know so many of you graduating seniors have served in so many capacities, in so many ways, both in the church, in the community, through the school. Some of you were parts of Relay for Life early on. So many of you, as, as Hope said, taught Sunday school. I know people have tutored. You've worked in soup kitchens. Some of you have built homes or repaired homes in underserved communities. What all of those are, whether you did those through the church or you did those just on your own through a group in school, each and every one of those experiences is simply faith with your sleeves rolled up. It is living out Christ's love in everyday places, in everyday ways. Graduating seniors, you may not believe this, but it is true, and I hope you hear it a lot, but you have so many gifts our world needs. So I urge you to live out your faith in God by allowing the light within you to shine. Be other-centered. Think of the needs of your communities. Think of the needs of your neighbors, both the ones that you know by name and the ones who are far across the globe. Here's a caution. Beware. Our culture is going to constantly whisper in your ears, think of yourself first. Think of your own needs first. And don't get me wrong, self-care is a really important thing. Take good care of yourself, indeed. But remember that if you really wish to love yourself, you'll also need to love your neighbor. So remember the life and model of Jesus. A model, of course, for a life of faith, but also for a very healthy life as well. For Jesus prayed, which is always humbling. He walked everywhere so as to encounter the everyday world. And remember that Jesus experienced disappointments and sadness. And the fact that he did, that is not proof of God's absence, but rather Jesus came to know God even more intimately through sadness. And last, Jesus reminds each and every one of us to serve our neighbors. For each and every one of those is a hallmark of our faith, prayer, service, to remember that God is with you even in times of sorrow. And not only will all of those help you live longer, even more important than that, is that it will help you live with more meaning in each and every day of your life. So graduating seniors, this day we're going to fuss over you a little bit. We're going to laugh and we're going to cry over you. And we're going to make a big deal about you. And we are going to remember that this is a religious day as well. And so we are going to say thank you to God for each and every one of you. And may you never, may you never be ashamed Confess your faith wherever you are, whatever your circumstance. Amen.
and traveling mercies.